everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey, on to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have the ever so amazing Amanda Montgomery joining us. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We are so honored and excited to have you here. Um, Amanda is an amazing business lawyer whose mission is to help small businesses and entrepreneurs provide legal advice to serve their best interests. And I've worked with Amanda hand in hand, and she's incredible, not only just as a friend, but also a lawyer and just makes looking for a lawyer much more approachable. I don't know. I was always so intimidated. Like I have to have a lawyer for my business. What do I do? Like, where do I go? And she just makes the whole process very warming and comfortable. And it's just so delight to be around too. So I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. I love these introductions. They make me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like I need an attorney now too, because she sounds so, she's so amazing. And so Yes. Yes. Amanda, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about who you are, you know, how you got into law and all, you know, just the whole shebang. Yeah. So yes, as you're saying, my name is Amanda Montgomery. Um, I've been a licensed attorney for 12 years. It's going up again soon. Uh, and so you can kind of do the math. I've been, I've been around this uh, quite a bit and um, I started out my career in commercial litigation and that is very honorable work and I, I did enjoy doing it, but I found once I had children that I needed to kind of change up my schedule a little bit. So I was really drawn more towards transactional work and working with businesses just on everyday issues they had with, you know, either formation troubles or employment questions, contract issues, meeting new contracts, that kind of thing. And I felt like, okay, I can do that any time of day. <laughs> it's incredibly accessible work and I love it. And I really found passion working with these small business owners who didn't have anybody else to turn to. They didn't have a lawyer in the family. They didn't really have anyone that they could be, you know, directed towards when making really huge decisions for their business. And so that's kind of the niche that I've built for myself. I went out on my own around two years ago and have just kind of been developing clients. And um, I just recently joined a Dallas law firm, Vela Wood, as senior counsel to assist with the administrative side of it, which is you will quickly find in your business administrative work is not something most people have a passion for. And so (laughs) I've I've joined a firm recently to kind of assist me with that, but um, who also understands my mission and has been a hundred percent supportive of of working, you know, particularly with women founders and and small business owners. I serve everyone, but I have a, you know, a passion for helping women uh, because I don't feel like they're supported quite the same way that maybe their male counterparts are. And so, yeah, that's, so that's kind true. of all about me. <laughs> well, what about, uh, since this is the Money Made Easy podcast, can you give us yeah. kind of your background growing up? Do you remember your first memory with, of money or, you know, kind of what your experience was and what your family's experience yeah, was? It's kind of a funny story. Um, both of my parents came from backgrounds where they very much had to earn everything. And like my mom made her own clothes if she wanted to have something that was trendy I mean, very resourceful, very like, this is on you. Um, And with me, you know, they had built a life for themselves where they were able to support their four children. And so I didn't have that much of a 
you know, push as far as like, if you want something, you have to earn that from a young age. But I was um, paid for my grades, which I don't know if that's a very common practice, but that kind of worked for me. I'm still struggling to whether I'm going to do that with my sons because I'm not sure how I want them to think about money at this point. They're very young, by the way, they're Mm -hmm. four and six. So we're not quite there yet with them really handling money. They're still trying to figure out what money means, Mm -hmm. but I was graded. I was given um, $10 for an A, I think $5 for a B, $0 for a C, negative $5 for a D and negative $10 for an F. And then I got So you had to pay them back? Yes, which for my sisters, because they weren't really as interested in academics as I was. They were artists and they had their own gifts and they weren't as truly interested in like English and, you know, all the other subjects that I was like loving. Um, They sometimes did kind of have, they didn't ever owe money, but it was sometimes like, okay, maybe you're getting like $10 rather than more. And then they, because they wanted them to like reach for the stars, they said $25 for A pluses. And I'm, you know, I'm in it for to win it. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think the semester I was like, I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to get nearly all A pluses. And my mom was like, I'm not paying you all that money. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I think she kind of like was like, I'm going to, I think I'm just going to like give you $80 and we're going to call it good. Yeah. Um, but put a cap on it. <laughs> Cause I was like, 25 bucks for an A plus. I can do that. Like <laughs> I'm, I've got what it takes. And so I don't, I don't know. I, I did that cause me to strive early in, in the beginning of my, you know, elementary school, middle school, maybe, and that maybe helped me, but I'm having a hard time reconciling if that's ultimately a positive thing. I guess that's still something I'm working my way through. Did that cause me to be an attorney? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, my parents did the same and I don't know. It's such a, it's funny because I was not good at school. I was horrible, but I still strived. Like, I think it, like, it definitely brings that like achiever mentality and all of that, but it, it is a very hard thing. I mean, I liked it and I enjoyed it. And they also taught me how to save. So like, I would, it would be like a game for me. Like, Ooh, can I save like $200, yeah. you know, whatever. But, um, I, it is a very like I don't know it, it's it's a strange it's thing. very interesting yeah I like never got A's I mean I would try so hard in school and I would get like B's and like A minuses and so it was it was I would say it was almost deterring for me also because I would try so hard and it, and it was just not there like I just I like I was dyslexic I, I had think, HD yeah. so it's like so many other I th- things I think school is fit to reward like one type of learner. Yes. And I happen to have like a very strong memory mm-hmm. and I recognize patterns very quickly. And that's something that works for me. And it helps me in just like one specific way. And for school, that was kind of it. Like that yeah. really worked. And there's so many other ways that we are gifted and yeah. mentally strong. And school is like, yeah, that's not really what we're looking for yeah. at the moment. You know, like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's creativity kind of, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like those gifts that you, I mean, and, and luckily certain teachers know how to cultivate those gifts within you and you still Mm -hmm. find a way to say like, I think I know what I'm going to be good at when I'm older. Like, I think I can understand it, but I think it's always been a challenge of education and hopefully they're making big changes with this. I have to hope Mm -hmm. it's been a long time since I've been in elementary school. So we're talking like early nineties, things were different then, but, um, like they don't teach math that way anymore. But, uh, yeah. So I, I think that, and, and my parents were kind of astonished that I had any ability at all with school because my sisters 
just weren't all that interested. They were like, I got to see, I did great. You know, like it yeah. was like, I did what I needed to do to pass, <laughs> like just be happy about it. And you know what? They're all thriving and, and they're doing great. And it, it wasn't something that had this like lasting effect on them that yeah. they didn't get straight A's in school. Um, but yeah, having money tied to academic, I guess, success, if you want to define it that way, um, I think it was a big motivator for me, but it probably did give me a strange idea about money and believing, yeah. okay, I did the very best I could. And then having this expectation after that of, yeah. well, okay, I should be making as much money as possible because I did the very best I could. <laughs> Why am I not right. being rewarded accordingly? And that's how, you know, not how some jobs work. Mm -hmm. They don't really reward you financially every time. And as a lawyer, it's very complicated. Um, there's a lot of jobs that punish you, in fact, for earning so high and you don't get a lot of vacation time. You don't get a lot of time to see your family, but you do receive hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in compensation. Yeah. It's definitely um, a, a challenge to figure out what the best way to handle kids and money and grades and all of that. So uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things. We didn't um, pay our kids for their grades, but I mean, there's been times where I'm like, maybe we should have, maybe that would have helped. <laughs> I don't know. Having something like uh, ingrained, our... like some kind of like gratification at the end. I'm sure people are like, if you get, you know, at least this many A's, this will go on this big trip or something. I know yeah. people usually find some way to build a good experience afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I think you have to find out what actually motivates your child. And for yeah. me, sadly, it was money. Um, <laughs> but there's other ways to motivate a person to want to be good. Some people want their words of affirmation. My children mm -hmm. just want to be seen. They just oh. want to be appreciated. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Well, let's move on to a timely issue that you have a big passion for. Can you share that with us? Yes. So as you know, I mean, as of the time of this recording, it's like 33 days until the election. I'm sure people will be hearing it a little closer to the election or perhaps yes, after. Yes, a couple of weeks. Knock on wood. Um, everything goes well. Um, <laughs> but I have, like my major in college was political science, and I've always kept up with politics during the Obama era, I think we all kind of put that on cruise control a little bit <laughs> because we were kind of like, I don't know, that was part of my 20s, honestly, and I just wasn't as plugged in. I was still voting, but I wasn't tracking everything the way, obviously, I think we're all kind of tracking things now. I mm -hmm. um, don't really have a choice. It's just national news every single day. And so um, I've really been pushing um, on my Instagram uh, voter registration and, and voter literacy to understand how it all works um, and how to decide like what what kind of voter am I? I am am I actually a Democrat? My parents were Republicans. Am I a Republican? Does that align with my beliefs? And does does that my understanding of government and what government should do for me align with you know one party or the other um, or independent whatever that might be? And I don't know. I, I just really enjoy talking about it. I get a lot of questions in my DMs. People have very thoughtful, you know, inquiries about all kinds of topics. And I don't know. I love it. I, I really have this election cycle has been a little difficult for all of us with everything else going on. But I just really like talking about this. 
What are some of the best resources that you've found for people who are trying to figure this out themselves? Um, because it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. So I think most people have a somewhat general understanding of who Trump is and who Biden is just from pop culture and seeing things on TV, watching a few like comedy late night shows or any of that, you kind of have a general idea. But if you really want to hone in on things that you care about and then see where the candidate lies on that as far as not lies, but where their platform is on, on that issue, know your vote websites like knowyourvote.io allows you to choose from this. It's a long list and it starts at the top with like abortion and then COVID, you know, it's all alphabetical all the way down, all the issues that you're concerned about as a voter, you know, budget issues, um, education, it's just all the things that, that we all are concerned about, military benefits, veteran benefits, healthcare, Medicare, if you're older, social security, all of that. And you click on Know Your Vote, you can click up to five issues, and then it provides a spread, like kind of like a side-by-side -side of the, you know, the two candidates. candidates. Yeah, and you can select other candidates. You can select the candidates in your particular district. Okay. Um, obviously, this ballot is more than just Trump, Pence versus Biden, yeah. Harris. There's a lot of other things going on. We've, we're mm -hmm. electing senators in Texas, one senator. Um, you know, Senator Cornyn is the uh, incumbent, MJ Hager is his competitor. Um, and then we've got all of our House, our House of Representatives, mm -hmm. every single one of those, they're up every two years. So you have to decide, is this guy it for me or this woman it for me? Do I like what her, you know, the other candidate has to say on this particular issue that's affecting my district? You know, I'm in a hospital district, I wanna know more about healthcare, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I really like that website the most. Um, and if you don't know what your ballot looks like, because there's a lot of <laughs> races happening and it seems to all kind of blend together, Ballotpedia is fantastic. All you have to do is get on that site, put in your actual address, and it will draw up, you know, who, which representative you're voting for, the oh, wow. Texas Supreme Court, those candidates, who's, who are they? And they provide profiles on each individual, like a, you click okay. on a name and it provides you know, their bio, their work. I think, some, I think Ballotpedia has donor history for incumbents. Um, okay. It's got this really overarching, it's not one of those like, here's some hit pieces on that candidate. It's really just like straight talk. This is who they are. This is their platform. This is their website. If you want to go straight and look at exactly what their platform says. And so if you're wondering about the Texas Railroad Commissioner, which if you're not from Texas, you're kind of like, are they in charge of the trains? Like, who is this person? <laughs> and they're not, they're, you know, it's a very important like energy, oil and gas, you know, right. position in Texas. Um, you can look at those candidates and understand, okay, one side is she's a lawyer, she's from Dallas. This is the other guy is like someone who actually works in the industry and has um, a, a large interest in oil and gas. Um, okay, let's look at what their beliefs are as far as how this should work. Um, I really enjoy how educational those sites are and how easy it is to kind of bounce around. It's probably easier on your computer because they are chock full of information, but I think right. they're pretty mobile friendly, both of them. And is that ballotpedia.com? I believe so. It might be .org actually. .org? Yeah. Okay. I'll find that. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Great. But I, I mean, even the Texas Secretary of State's office, when you try to pull up your ballot, they just show 
everybody who's mm -hmm. on the ballot in the state of Texas. That includes everybody in the House of Representatives. So you're kind of thinking, okay, <laughs> where's my person? Like, I'm not even sure which district I am. Like, yeah. I, I want to know who I'm actually going to be voting for, not like everybody else in every other city. And so it's it's not. That's close. great that Ballotpedia does that, so you can see your ballot before you go to vote, and you can kind of become yes. familiar with it, so you know. What um, just make sure for. you check, like, don't send me spam emails because uh -huh. I made that mistake. Never <laughs> <laughs> send you one every day. <laughs> Very important to check that. <laughs> yes, you will inadvertently be like, yeah, 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 and then it's like, great, now I get my daily Ballotpedia email. <laughs> But you can quickly unsubscribe. It's not that big of a deal. Okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah, those are amazing um, resources. Very great. Those are awesome. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, you said you've been getting a lot of uh, interaction in your DMs? I'd love to hear some of the questions and feedback that you're getting um, because it seems to me that almost everybody has their mind made up and it's not going to be changed. So do you feel like that's not the case and that people, there are a lot of people that are on the fence and there are a lot of people who are open to hearing and seeing and they're still investigating? I, I've noticed that I did a, a little poll and I actually had a lot of people respond to it about like where you're at. Like I'm ready to vote. I know who I'm going to vote for, or I don't think I'm going to vote, or I'm not sure if I'm going to vote. I only had one person say, I'm not sure if I'm going to vote. Um, and I'm sure this person was scared I was going to DM her and be like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> I kept my cool. But um, I, I think uh, because of the candidates involved in the presidential mm -hmm. election, a lot of people are pretty sure what they're going to be doing. Um, and a lot of people are surprisingly more motivated um, than they were in 2016. 2016 was kind of an ugly election with... Yeah accusations and, and scandals and bringing people to debate and flame the other side. I mean, it was, I think it was built in a way to disillusion voters just from what I saw because I was becoming disillusioned. Mm -hmm. um, it's that's sometimes a strategy um, that can be employed like, oh, this is kind of messy. And I don't really, this makes me not like politics. Like this makes me feel icky in my skin. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we have quite the same dynamic in 2020 despite this week's debate that happened um, well, and what about the whole trying to discredit the whole yeah voting system? so that i feel like is also a voter suppression tactic that has been employed before it's being employed, deployed very aggressively right now with trump's campaign wanting people to think my vote's probably going to be thrown away anyway um, i think they're wanting people who are on the fence about voting who maybe you know Biden voters, um, maybe just stay home. It's you know that that um, insistent voice yeah. that tells you I'm just one person. What I'm a drop in the bucket. I'm you know mm -hmm. me and my mom are voting for different people. We're going to cancel the other out or whatever that kind of weird inner voice that happens. Um, I think that's just a tactic um, to push people away from participating in something that they have a right to participate in. That's my read on it. There may be another purpose for that, but I, there's been such few, I think the percentage is like 0.000, you know, percentage of actual issues with like voter fraud or, or anything like that. There's no one going out there dumping ballots in the trash. Like that's not, those are not cases that actually happened. There's stories that people are writing, claiming that that's happened or there's speeches being done where they're accusing 
I guess, I think they said something really, he said something really inflammatory about like postal workers being involved as if that's no, <laughs> like that's no. not something happening. Our poor postal workers. I know. Right. I, I feel, yeah. I feel for them right now. Um, they've been through the ringer in 2020, but um, yeah. I think especially because we've got a very, uh, I think a more informed electorate this year, I think there's concern probably on just one side, um, Trump's side that there's going to be a lot more voters. And mm -hmm. for them, that means younger people. Yeah. Um, younger people tend to vote Democratic more than uh, the Republican candidate. Um, mm -hmm. So they're concerned about that. And maybe they should be concerned. Uh, <laughs> it's wild that like even the idea of urging people to vote is very political. I know. I, in past years, I've never read it that way as being overtly taking a stand on an issue. It's, mm -hmm. it's just voting. It's like going to the DMV or something <laughs> like, yeah. like that's not a controversy. You have to go there to like renew your license or get a license. Like this is part of living your life. <laughs> And being a good American. Yeah, doing, doing what you're supposed to do. Right. right. Well, and that's the thing that um, I feel is just so important for both sides to, to take it as their right and their honor. Mm -hmm. um, because it is something that we should be thankful for, that we get to do this yeah. and that we get to have a voice. And um, so honor it by using it. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Let's get into a little bit of talking about um, how uh, you vote with your money, um, even just by what you spend your dollars on and what you spend your money on is a way of casting a vote, too. Yeah, I think that some bigger companies um, may do or say things, typically it's things they do with regard to labor practices, decision making um, regarding, you know, insurance they provide or don't provide to their workers. Uh, I think when stories come out about perhaps a very, you know, successful company not taking good care of its employees, not supporting them in one way or another, I'm not complying with federal employment laws, you know, things like that. People start saying like, well, I'm not going to shop with them anymore. I, why am I supporting this? Like, I, no, I, I think we should be pushing them to be better. And so you end up pushing them hopefully towards, you know, better conduct and, 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 you know, better treatment of, of the people that they employ um, through I guess, I mean, it's not always a boycott. It's more just changing your, your behaviors yeah. and deciding, all right, I'm going to, I think I'm going to invest in some more small businesses. I'm going to start shopping small. I'm going to yeah. start helping mom and pop shops because I'm not helping, you know, individuals when I'm, I'm helping these giant companies. It seems like I'm, I'm helping people at the top and not supporting. And I, and I wouldn't want to support um, any kind of like abuse of, of regulations. Yeah. Right. Well, and it seems like the consumer market now is looking more for ethical and moral values in companies more than ever. I mean, than I've noticed. And I mean, I even like with influencers and social media, like, you know, on the rise, I feel like now more than ever, we want to know like, okay, who made my product or like, yeah. you know, 
who like okay you you use that product too like how do you like it have you worked with the company how you know how do they treat you do you work there like I feel like there's so many questions always about anything that comes out or anything and so I mean I I love that I think I mean there's such a I always have like a love-hate relationship with social media but I really do think that it's allowed consumers to be a little bit more knowledgeable about what they're buying before they buy it and hopefully getting the right information and all of that but um I mean, I think, I definitely think, you know, especially, you know, during at the beginning of quarantine when, you know, the death of George Floyd happened and so many companies weren't speaking up about it. You saw in the comments how just, you know, people were just so demanding it. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Like, how are you not standing on this? And I mean, I think it is important for companies to take stances on these issues because, I mean, we do want to know that like you are taking care of, you're, you're being a leader as well as, you know, a company. Yeah. Right. And, and they're making changes, hopefully within their companies, they're building boards that are more reflective of the world rather than, you know, the same, you know, same gender and race. Every single person is an older yes. white man and <laughs> has only the ability to draw on his experiences. Um, yeah. When you see that across the board with a lot of these companies, um, it's disenchanting. It's, it's disappointing. Yeah. A couple of the websites where you can check out what the companies that you're interested in um, supporting, what their views are, bcorporation.net and voteplus10.org. Uh, are a couple of websites where people can go to to just look into those companies a little bit more and see what their beliefs are and to see what they're supporting and to see some of them even are making donations to certain yeah. um, political figures. Yeah, even my yeah. law firm that I'm working for has created a program where they're, they've set aside not a small amount of money and are using that, um, they call it Fela Wood Forward, um, for the benefit of particular groups that are, are, are working um, with the Black community, with, with um, other communities um, to assist in, in a variety of issues. Like we're really trying to kind of like spread, yeah. um, spread our money where it can be best served. Um, and it it's, can be done in a lot of different ways. And it's it's not something that is a short-term thing. This is a long-term mm-hmm. program. This is not just a 2020 thing. This is, you know, the next, you know, however many years, the next 10 years, here's what we can do. Here's the money we can set aside and how we can make best use of it. And maybe things that we can do on the weekend to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I think that we lose a little bit in our busy lives, um, ways in which we can, give back to others, take a bigger interest in our cities, um, take a bigger interest in areas that are underserved, mm-hmm. that we get very caught up in everything else. We get caught up online, we get caught up in our jobs. And one of the few very nice things about COVID was we started looking inward and deciding what's important, how are we helping other people? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think companies did that, I think individuals did that, and it's, it, it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good thing. There was, uh, it, it's definitely, I think, um, a universal thing that when there's tough situations, that uh, it, the best of people just rises to the occasion and helps mm-hmm. 
helps their neighbor and helps, um, helps others. And that's such, that has been such a great thing to see. And even with the uh, racial situations, I mean, even though there's been a lot of heat from both sides, it's, there's been such support too. I've seen so many people speak out that have not they haven't spoken out to the degree that they have, that they are now. And that's amazing. And even myself, it's definitely woken me up to, I mean, I've always known that that was an underlying issue and a problem, but I'm like, okay, it's, it's up to all of us to change this. Yeah. I think one group alone can, can't do it all. Um, no. there, there has to be a coalition of sorts like we have to right. come together and all decide like this this has to be better we have to um keep this from ha- right. happening in the future and how how exactly can we do that what are the ways that we can you know contribute in our own way yes yeah well and I thought you said that so beautifully Amanda like how we get so caught up in our every day that we just we focus on ourselves and our lives and our families that we don't ever really empathize towards other communities or see what other people are going through and I think that's I mean, every time something like this happens, I, I always just feel so helpless. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, how can I really help? And so, I mean, I've just, with a group of my friends, we've just like committed to doing a book club every quarter or every other Mm -hmm. month, um, to just educate and then just watching movies. I mean, there's so many other things that you can do to be educating yourselves and like getting that sense of like, oh my gosh, like, it's not just me, you know, like it's, and learning how deep rooted this problem is, yeah. is overwhelming, but it's also like, okay, it, like it just answers all the questions and you're like, okay, well, like, how do I speak up about this the next time I see something happen? Or it just, it gives you like the, the confidence too, to speak up too, because I feel like a lot of people are like, well, I don't know, am I going to say this right? Or what's going to happen if I say this? And I think when you really do educate yourself and you just take the time to learn, like you build that confidence to speak up when things are, you know, there is injustice and, Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this quote that I would modify for this. Um, There's a quote that um, fortune favors the prepared mind. And I think that, you know, set aside fortune, um, (laughs) like there's, there's other things that favor the prepared mind and um, change um, just a a stronger movement, um, actual like city level, national level, changes um to to how we handle um police reform things like that there's there's so many different ways um and how we handle budgets for education all of that um and when you read up on it and when you understand it it's you have so much more confidence to say yeah no i should be holding you to this i actually i'm an informed person on this issue and mm-hmm. how are you going to defend this you know as a candidate um and that probably makes a lot of people uncomfortable because they're used to no one really paying attention to their budget votes or, or other things that they've said. And so I think maybe certain incumbents are a little nervous thinking, oh, wow, now you're really going to be holding me to all these things I've said in these speeches because mm-hmm. you're thinking about it just as much as I am, maybe more, mm-hmm. um, whatever that might be on healthcare, on anything. Um, it's, it's, I, I think that the more we read, the more we work to understand people who look different, who were raised different than us, um, it's essential for, for us to get through all of this. Absolutely. I agree completely. I mean, and even just you have to educate yourself just to even have those conversations with your friends, friends yeah. or your 
family to try and hopefully open the dialogue if there's someone that feels things differently than you yes. or sees things differently than you and to do it in a kind way so that you can continue those conversations and you can continue to um, at least have your foot in the door of their mind a little bit. Yeah. If you do want to ever be able to persuade them, you can't attack. That doesn't work. And that's what um, I think I feel like that's where I've heard so much about how from Republican leaders about that's what Biden does is that he does work. He's been one of those people that is a good person that wants the best for people. And uh, Lindsey Graham, has, who's a very big right. Republican and Trump supporter has said that Biden is a good man. And yeah, wow. That's, that's kind of the, dis, the distinction. Um, and we saw it a little bit in the debate this week. Um, mm -hmm. Let me look yeah. at what day that was. It was yes. September 29th. Um, yes. The debate on September 29th kind of showed um, there is an inherent kindness to him. I mean, Bernie Sanders didn't even really go after Biden when they were you know, right. still in the primary phase because he liked him so much. So many people like him and, and having the ability to not put people off as soon as you walk in the door, it's very powerful politically. It sounds a little silly, but you know, you don't want to be politically radioactive. And unfortunately right. some people are. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> I'm showing my, I'm showing my democratic registration right now, but it's true. <laughs> like it, it's true. There's, um, there's such a humanity to him and I think it's sorely lacking. And I, and I think we lose a little bit that with social media, particularly Facebook, it doesn't, that kind of like news, the fire hose of news that comes out that gets repurposed on Facebook, particularly because it's amplified typically from like intensely partisan like sites. Um, that doesn't favor like the long form. <laughs> like it doesn't, that's not an area where you're going to sit and read for 15 minutes, like a very in-depth article from Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, one of those more heralded newspapers that has journalistic standards and has a very clear review and vetting system for, you know, <laughs> like what they post. Yeah. Like they're a little bit more careful with their fact checking. Mm -hmm. I, I know their editorials are obviously like more, you know, punditry, but the actual reporting on these things is typically more rooted towards let's reflect what actually happened during this speech, what actually happened, you know, during this encounter, um, events that happened overseas, other things that we've got going on in our world are written in a way with the hopes of being objective. I think it's nearly impossible to be hundred percent objective in your reporting. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're doing it a lot more than say, you know, like Daily Wire, Breitbart, you know, those sites that are for a particular audience for a particular purpose. Um, right. it's, it's not for me. Um, <laughs> I'm not their target audience here. Um, so I, I think there's a struggle with that. And also people reading online, the difference between going to the editorial section, the opinion section, and going to just the straight regular news articles, news reporting, we lost that a little bit when we moved to just online news. Um, it's all just there jumbled together and you just click on some things. Whereas in a physical newspaper, the editorial was more kind of in the back and you're like, yeah. okay, now we're in the opinion section where, you know, this guy's just complaining or mad about right. something and we have to kind of see his point of view or disagree with it or whatever. 
um, news media as a whole has become a lot of editorial pieces. Um, right. I don't think lack value. I just think that's not where you're supposed to get your news. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you have done a great job of giving us resources where people can make their own decisions. And that's what you have been saying. And what we're saying is go to these sites, figure out what you, you want to vote for, figure out what's important to you, what is um, on top of mind for you. Look at those, do your, do your investigating and then whichever side you're going to vote for, exercise your right to vote. Exactly. And if if you see something inflammatory, especially on Facebook, because that's where it's at. Um, <laughs> popping up in between baby pictures. Um, if you see something like that and you kind of question like, what on earth are they even talking about? This news story sounds like a little nuts. You can go on sites like PolitiFact, which will take, you know, kind of bigger stories or bigger quotes and say, you know, was Trump telling the truth when he said this? And then they'll have, if you click on the actual like little excerpt, they'll take you to like a longer piece explaining this is what he said. He was doing it at a speech in Cleveland. He was talking about this. It's not true. Or it's halfway true. Here's why it's half false. And it, like, they'll kind of lay out, okay, cool. you know, like, yeah, they're spinning it this way. In, in 2007, this is actually what occurred. You know, whatever that might be. We're not all political historians. We don't remember right. everything. And one person in this race has been in politics for like 40 years. And so um, you have to look up and see like, okay, what's, is that reflective of his political record? Um, PolitiFact tries to kind of uh, concentrate this down into some quick answers. And then if you want more info, you can go from there. It's kind of like um, what Snopes I don't know. I guess people don't like Snopes anymore, but Snopes was kind of like that too. Um, I think everybody's like pitching a fit about Snopes now, but um, I don't know. I never had a problem with it, but yeah, it's, it's a great site for deciding like, is this scandal real or is it whole cloth, a little bit fiction, like an earpiece in the ear, or he's got some kind of disease that he's hiding. Um, back in 2016, it was like Hillary's dying because she fainted oh after an event. Oh that was like a really long news story that was propagated by one particular group that was like, mm-hmm. don't vote for her. She's going to die. Um, oh my goodness. That was like a whole thing. And it went on <sighs> and on and on. And so when you see stuff like that, you may be like, oh, and everybody has a response to that. I'm usually very skeptical of anything I see that's yes. like that. But some people are very much like it's on the internet. It seems true. It seems like someone's got a basis for saying it. I think I'm going to go with that. I mean, we're in this dilemma every election cycle where it's a real struggle to cover what's real, Mm -hmm. what is straight up punditry that they're dancing around and kind of deciding what kind of, you know, yarn, what they're weaving here together, what picture they want to display to you to influence your vote. Um, well, and it gets defi- a little dicier every year. <laughs> there's definitely been a fair share of real stories that have seemed like they were straight from the onion. <laughs> yes. The onion doesn't even know how to cover any of this anymore because it's just like, what? <laughs> what? We can't make it any crazier than the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, it's, it's a wild time and I, I, it might be by design that it's just a fire hose of news every day that there's the same person that's Mm -hmm. at the center of every news cycle. And it's kind of a struggle for him. I think when he's not at the center of the news cycle 
um, because he needs to be in the spotlight at all times um, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, this is, I think, by far one of the more challenging um, things to cover for a political journalist because when someone says something that's not true, do you basically transcribe that or do you say that's false? Here's why. Mm -hmm. Is that your opinion? Are you injecting a political bias into your article? If you clarify and explain that this is not true, like how many times do you have to do that as a journalist? Yeah. Right. I, I think he has made it nearly impossible for people to report because so much of what he's saying is not, has no basis. There's no evidence. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of throwing it out there, seeing if it sticks. Um, and that's his strategy. And you have to kind of adjust your lens to understand that's, that's the goal. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> so much to take in. Thank you. You have been amazing at breaking it down for us. Um, we do like to wrap up every episode with two questions though. Yes. Our first question being, what is your definition of success? Um, I'm a lawyer. So understand that's like, that's how I'm looking <laughs> at this. Um, putting my kids to bed every night and getting to see them pretty much like 99% of the time, despite having a job like yeah. that at the end of the day, that's my happy time. I know everybody's like marriage is work or whatever. And I'm like, no work is work, marriage, your kids. That's the most fun you will ever have. Mm -hmm. So I, as an attorney, I really value my time and the time I have at home with my loved ones. I believe the more you get of that, the wealthier you are. That has been for a long time. My definition of like success truly. I love that. Oh, I, I love, love that. that. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> and then uh, when you hear the word money, what are the first three words that come to mind? Uh, I think security, um, vacation. <laughs> yes. um, I love that. And I, I, yeah, the third one's a struggle for me. Um, I guess freedom. Mm -hmm. That's, that's probably our number one answer. I think <laughs> not surprisingly for good yeah. reason, for sure. So yes. Well, awesome. This has been so amazing. Amanda, thank you for making this uh, accessible voting mm -hmm. easier to think about and wrap our heads around. If that's something that you know, you've never done that before. You've never voted before. It's important. If you've done it every election, it's still important. And thank you for making that a topic that is important in your Instagram and your yes. social media. Uh, we um, definitely are going to work on doing that. You've, you've set a challenge for us to be sure and do more of that too on ours. So um, yes, talk to your friends, talk to like the people you encounter, ask them if they're going to vote, especially if you have a good relationship with them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know about strangers you encounter, they, they might feel accosted, but <laughs> it, ask three people, you know, if they have a plan to vote, if they've decided to vote. Uh, the deadline in Texas to register to vote is October 5th, which is, you know, wow. When this Just airs, right about it, that will already be passed. So <laughs> yes. hopefully all of you will be re registered. So hopefully you registered. Um, yes. 
And if you haven't, please encourage others who have registered to go ahead and vote and vote early. Um, it's yes. well worth your time in line. And luckily we all have cell phones so we can read a book. Yes. <laughs> There we Definitely. go. Perfect. Well, thank <laughs> you again, Amanda. And please share where everyone can find you and all of your amazing resources. Sure. Um, I can, the easiest way to find me is Instagram. My handle is a Montgomery lawyer and I'm on the website for my firm, Bela Wood. If you want to contact me through there, I'm, and yeah, that's Instagram's the easiest way to catch me and I'm pretty awesome. good in DMS. So right. I, I like sharing information with people. Thank you. Thank you it. for all the great information you've shared here today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Have topic requests or questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take a small and actionable step towards your financial goals. If you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. We'll see you next Money Monday.